Hello, everyone, and welcome to round three of our Title Boxing Club product podcast. Uh, with me today, we have uh, Kenny Greer, we have Tate Wheeler, I have Sam Heath. Guys, say what's up. What's up? Hey, hey how's it going? Hi there. Hi there. I got a hi there. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's Sam. Sam. Sam's too damn polite. <laughs> That's good. Uh, what a crap to uh, so, you know, last week, guys, on, on the podcast on round two, we really talked about heart, humility, and hunger. And um, if you haven't had a chance to listen to the podcast, go back and listen to it. Very, very good discussion. And, you know, part of what we were talking about is you've got to have heart, you've got to be humble and, and humility, but you've got to be hungry to go out and win. And that's something that a boxer has. Any championship boxer, any fighter that just rises to the occasion and, and becomes the top of the sport, they have those three things. And what we, we noticed is this is what our top trainers have. It's what our top clubs have. The club itself, but then also the trainers have this aspect to it, right? And we want to talk a little further. We want to carry that over to today. So we talked about hunger and heart and humility and what that truly means to a member when the trainer has it. But we want to talk to all you guys as trainers right now and I want to talk about boxology, right? What is boxology? And where this is coming from is I don't think, I think we need to pull this together because I talked to five or six different trainers and asked them what boxology was. And guess what? I got five or six different responses. And there's an overall arcing, I guess, reason as to why it was actually created. There's, there's, and I want to talk about that today. And you know, Kenny Greer, who's on here, uh, he's one of the people that put this all together and, and what we truly saw as we went around the country. And we would go into a club and we'd see 50 people and it was a phenomenal class, trainers killing it. And then we'd go to, let's say, New York and we were just in California and we'd see the same thing. And then we'd go to, I don't know, Oklahoma and we'd see the same thing. And then we'd go to these places as well and we'd go into classes and it was just lacking or it was missing something. Well, what we noticed is that all these trainers with these great experiences and all these people in class, they're all doing the same things. They just didn't know that they were. So we pulled all this stuff together and we created Boxology. But what truly is it? So, so Kenny, I want to throw this over to you real quick. I mean, Boxology, I mean, an ology is the study of something. And, you know, this is the study of boxing. It's the thought process and mentality. What is Boxology, Kenny? I got this because I've, I've said a couple of these things before. Uh, first thing, dude, I like what you just said about it's a study of, right? Because boxology, right? Ology is the study of something. And uh, fun fact, like we originally brought this to the table and we had called it fight philosophy. And I, I thought it was really cool. And actually, you know, a couple of people weren't really excited about the word fight back in the day just because they weren't really sure where we stood as a brand. And then when we started researching different ways to call this new thing that was being born, you know, ology really made the most sense. So boxology came out of it because it's the study of, and remember, where do you study? It, it's during an educational process and education, right? So our workout ends up becoming educational. And I think, you know, back in the day, as you alluded to, and, uh, you know, boxology wasn't, it wasn't a, a, a word yet. It hadn't been born yet, but it had been being conceived for, you know, probably four to five years prior to the actual, you know, 
letters being written on paper. Let's put it that way, because this wasn't built by me. I didn't create this. You know, I, I, you know, James, you two, and then multiple other trainers we talked to during those years, probably about 2012, 13, 14, everybody helped create this. I just helped put it together along with a few other people. And a lot of these original concepts just weren't written down yet. You know, we drove the country when we were really, you know, infant state of title and we're managing clubs and driving around and trying to figure out how to really build a great product. And we went to the clubs that were the most successful, right? Because we thought successful clubs must just mean let's do what they do and then we'll be successful. And, you know, the one thing that we kept finding out on the road is that the location of the club didn't matter, the build out of the club, whether it was an old one or new one, the style of the sound system, the, you know, the, the location within the center or nothing mattered back in the day for a successful club. The only common denominator we found was great trainers. So why not? take everything a great trainer does, steal it, put it on a piece of paper, and then resell it back to everybody and try and get everybody else great. <laughs> and that, that's essentially what we did with Boxology. So you know, remember, this wasn't created by one single person. This was a combination of Danny Campbell's original idea. It was seeing some amazing things on the road. It was back to the original OG trainers, the Cam Andrews, the, the Dusties, you know, Phil Seedlicks back in the day. And, you know, these are some big names if you guys have been around a long time that continue to execute, you know, except for Dusty, but continue to execute to this day, um, those things that were alive in every single club, we put them all together and created this way to execute our product. You know what I mean? And that, that was essentially boxology. And chime in with any questions, but I'll give you the original definitions. Ready? Boxology. It is a mindset it is a philosophy designed to help staff trainers owners even members to think properly about who we are and what we do rewind it play it again listen to that phrase a bunch of times it's a it's a philosophy to help you think properly about the workout you're about to create about the experience inside the club that's about to happen about you know, the best way to teach a member how to execute the skill that we do. It's a focal point. This is, this is number two, that each one of our workouts utilize true boxing and kickboxing concepts. And those are the most important parts of the workout, meaning bell to bell, the eight rounds in the middle, whichever class you're running. Those rounds are really our major impact into that workout every single time. Number three, it is a skill-based workout. The better the skill, the better the workout. And I used to say it in a much simpler term when I used to visit clubs. I'd say, you know, I'd watch a trainer and they come out and they'd be like, how'd I do? I'm like, well, you weren't bad, but my members could kick your members ass. Yeah. <laughs> go back and think about a class that you teach today or, or go look at one over the next week and watch the members like sometimes I see some really badass trainers out there but then I look at the members and and they haven't truly even bought into this vision that it's a skill-based workout and they should be learning the skill because my members can kick your members ass number four 
it's a mindset to engage the members. Okay, so really close to that skilled workout, but it's truly to get them to believe in what you're saying and asking them to do. It's, it's the belief factor that the trainer who's operating that class and leading that group of members into battle is the general. They are the person that is in charge and there's no questioning what the trainer is asking for. They, they know, they trust that trainer that whatever they say, they're going to do blindly. If you can make them care about, you know, the balls of their feet turning into the ground, rotating through a huge punch and driving their shoulder into the bag for eight rounds if you're good enough. And James and I, remember, we used to have a challenge, dude. We were telling trainers, to be like, okay, you think you're motivational? You think you have control over the class? The next thing, the next warm-up, the only thing you're allowed to do was, you know, you had to squat for 15 minutes. You could only throw jab cross for eight rounds. You could only do sit-ups at the end. How are you going to keep your team motivated, right? And lastly, and this is kind of a bigger macro view, it's a tool for you as general managers, for you as head trainers, for you people who are managing yourself on a daily basis, all the way up to the ownership, all the way truly right through the corporate side of things for us to be able to manage the product. We are a company that is not easy to execute. This is hopefully not a secret out there. We are not a programmed workout. Many of the workouts that you compete with on a daily basis, whether they're boxing and kickboxing or they're, you know, the other concepts that do bar and do running and spinning and whatever they are, they have programmed workouts. Day to day, they do the exact same workout. They print it out when they get to the place. They staple it up onto the wall. And that's all they're allowed to do the entire day is that one workout. And if you go to any of their locations in the entire country, that is the only workout that's occurring. You can go seven times in one day, you do the same damn workout the entire time. We looked at that and said, is that something we should do? And then I, I was approached and asked that, what do, what do we think about program workouts? And I was like, I don't think that's going to work because, you know, I'm, I'm from Boston. The fighters out here keep their hands up. Detroit doesn't. But it doesn't matter until someone hits the hits the last shot. And yeah, they got shoulder rolls. You got <laughs> traditional boxers, MMA fighters, Muay Thai, hands up, hands down. Keep your hips like this. Keep your arms like this. This is how I do it. And it's all right. That that's the problem with with our workout. And most of the things that you guys say out there as this is what members love. You're you're right because a you're the ones doing it and they love you. And b if you've knocked someone out with it, how am I supposed to argue with you that it ain't a good punch? So, so this is we this is huge. We didn't do that. Well, it's funny. I remember so Greg Wright. I don't know if anybody out there knows Greg. Some of you may know Greg, former light heavyweight champ of the world out of Kronk. Um, I remember when Greg came. What up, on. Greg? Yeah, <laughs> I remember when Greg came. Out. Remember he like in the beginning. Greg Greg knows more about boxing than probably any of us like combined, right? And he always said, no, this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to do it. And then one day, you remember that, Ken? I don't know if you remember this or not, but the one day Greg came to us, he goes, you know what? I know more about boxing than most people. He goes, but you know what I don't know? I said, what? He goes, I don't know title boxing. And that for me was a, a, yeah. a, a, a switching point. Do you remember that? Because here you have I do. So here's a, yeah. a, dude, a little bit more context to that. That was like, we, we rolled out Boxology originally. I think it was a 2014 convention. I think it, I think it was whatever the one after Orlando was. And Craig Wright, this is more, a little bit more to that story, 
came up to me. I think we're at a round table uh, in Chicago. And he came up and he said, when I first met you, and he was talking to me and you were standing next to me, he goes, when I first met you, I didn't like you. He said, you didn't know what the hell you were talking about. You didn't know anything about boxing. And I didn't really care what you said. And then he said, after the round tables, remember, this is like a year and a half getting better and I actually maybe learn how to box. I got in the ring a few times, which I think is really important to like the clout of being able to throw some hands around. He came up and he said to you and I, James, I know more about boxing than you ever will but you know more about title than I do and I'm ready to listen. And dude, that was huge. Yeah. And it is because, and I think the thing with, with this and, you know, Tate jump in too and Sam on, on some of this stuff, if you guys have seen these things happen, but we're an authentic boxers workout, right? And styles make fights, man. I mean, there's so many different, you, you see fighters that are runners. You got fighters that are stalkers. You got fighters that are dancers. You got people who just don't care. Punch me in the face. I'm going to swing back. You've got all these different styles. Like Kenny said, it's an, it's, there's not one way that's better than another, I guess, right? Because it's all about who's going to be the champion. But you take all of that together, it's boxing, right? So with boxology, it was the study of boxing. What, what, what for me and what Greg and I had talked a lot about this as well is it's not about, hey, you can't do these things in your warm-up. You can't do these things in a round. Now, it's should you do that? As a boxer, would I seriously do a bunch of burpees before I'm going to get in the ring and spar? No. I'd be dead tired, right? So, please please do a bunch of burpees before you spar me. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm tired. I'm giving you that. But that, but that. But that's the point is if all of a sudden now I'm in the rounds. And instead of throwing a jab, an uppercut, a hook, and three more jabs with the same hand, would I really do that in a fight? Maybe. But would I do that every round? Is that the best thing for my member? Is that the best thing that's going to drive motivation in the class? Is that the best thing that's going to keep people engaged? Probably not. It's freaking awkward, dude. It's not easy to throw five punches with the same hand. So the whole discussion no, man, that- I started seeing then is how do and, and this is where you get the the passion of the boxers out there. What's a phenomenal combo that you can teach your members that another trainer doesn't have? What's that skill set where you can top it? And I think that's where boxology started taking off. And I I was just hoping on this call that you know you guys out there are listening to this understand it's a way to think about what should I be doing in my classes? What's a way to elevate my members to drive a better experience on it? Um, yeah, well, all right, James, so let, I'll challenge Tate and Sam, and, and real quick, because I'm pretty sure, Sam, you, you were around before me, technically, right? You were 2012 and beyond, like, prior to that? Uh, yeah, 2012. I think we probably came in pretty close to the same time, I believe, um, but I had no yeah. boxing background, mm-hmm. so I was, I was learning through Boxology is how do we implement this product right here so that our members will like it, so so I had no boxing, like kind of like you getting into it. So, um, so yeah, I was, what I was, was back until twelve. Yeah. What was, what was your first club's number? Uh, thirty-eight or no, thirty-three, thirty-three. Thirty-eight, thirty-three. So for those of you on the yep. call, that's a, that's an OG number because my club is seventy-eight and then my second club is five hundred fifty-one. So <laughs> that's an OG number, thirty-three, right? And and uh, you know, I currently still have club forty-two, which has had to go through a major 
mentality shift and this really helps. So for those of you that need a mentality shift out here, this episode's for you. So Sam, I mean, you've been around, you, you kind of went through it not being a thing. And then all of a sudden one day boxology was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it gave, it gave a, a way of how do I teach this to our trainers being hired? Some have fight background, some don't. So it was very useful in, in having a standard for what our product needs to be. Um, so, so it, it was very helpful to use that. Now there is the, the side of it that's a little bit of open to interpretation with some of it. So I think that that is, is important that we're having these podcasts and, and re-looking at things and saying, okay, where can we continue to push the best, best practices and best, um, you know, the most successful uh, part of bringing that authentic workout. Um, but yeah, we've seen everything. I mean, that we used to do it back where we would run around the bag stands and bear crawl around bag stands and, you know, all that, all that kind of chaos running around the gym. And it was, it was different, you know, and, um, even, and then we had even to kind of reel things in. Yep. yep even exactly. Calling it, a gym. <laughs> yep. it was a gym back then. That's a great uh-huh. way to do it. And actually for everybody on the phone that didn't know, like the original workout was, run around the bag stand for 15 minutes. This was one of the reasons we had to apply boxology as a idea to stop things like that. Our clubs were getting busy. Our, our clubs were getting full. I remember the first 64 person class taught by Ryan Williams, which is another OG trainer from the Boston area. And we, at my club, we went to him, we're all together and we're like, what the hell do we do? We have 63 people in this class, it's a 100% full class. People are still trying to come through the door. How the hell are we supposed to run them around in a circle? And I remember Ryan being like, well, I just won't do it. And we're like, uh, can we do that? Like, I'm pretty sure we're supposed to like sprint them around and make sure at least somebody runs into a wall somewhere. You know what I mean? Like the workout's not a workout unless someone gets injured and benched off to the sideline. That's essentially what we thought. So that's a good point, man, running around the bag stand. My God. Hey, how long how long you been around for, buddy? Well, we can, I can't complete um, compete with those OG numbers. I mean, we're Club Four Ten. <laughs> We've been we just hit our five year anniversary, so you know it's kind of one Hell of those yeah. funny, funny things where we're, we're Club Four Ten would have been open for for five years. So we kind of right when we started is when boxology was introduced. So I feel super blessed to have this as. Um, a guiding parameter for how we trained our trainers and how we were able to have success. And it didn't happen, you know, with the snap of a finger, it took time and it took processes and it took training and retraining. I mean, there's, I think I mentioned this in one of the other podcasts, but you know, I'll once in a while see like a trainer go like, jab, cross, jab, cross two squats. And I was like, Whoa, what happened there? Like what happened to a duck? What happened to a slip? What happened to a roll? (laughs) And so it's, it's not like it doesn't happen um still where you you have to reset and remember hey th- there's a reason why we're doing what we're doing and a, a couple key words in in that original definition that i just that are easy to go back on is it's it's a skilled workout and during those rounds you should be teaching skill because people are excited when they're learning something and you're not going to get that great at running on a treadmill or doing um, a spinning or a rolling machine. You're only going to get so good at, at those things. You can get way better every single class. If you listen and you apply what the trainers, trainers, plural, I have some of my, my, some of my best trainers don't come from a fight background, 
they're so good at cueing and explain, explaining the technique um, of boxing that members gravitate towards that because they're learning something and they love how passionate and excited they are. And they've never thrown a punch um, in a real fight in their life. And so we're not, I, I think it's an important thing to say here is we don't, we don't want every trainer in the country to come from a fighting background. <laughs> we, I mean, no. you know, on this, on, on this, you know, call, we have a, you know, a split aspect of that. And, and it just goes to show if applied right, you can do amazing things. None of us on this call haven't been All of us have had success with title boxing club. And that's for a reason we have uh, expectation and we set a bar super high for our teams and we don't lower the bar. And I think that's part of where we want to get and our goals of this podcast, I believe is we're, we're going to set the bar and let's not lower the bar. Let's rise to the bar. Um, and, and we can do that together. So I would, I would leave it at that for, for now. Hey, so Tate, I want to, you're going to like this. So I'm going to give a shout out to Michael Yabbit here. I was listening to, to Michael, um, talk, right? And this is what I loved about Michael. Michael's a teacher, right? He loves teaching people, right? So him and I used to talk about things like, how do you motivate? How do you do this and that, right? And well, he said something. I, I think this is appropriate to talk about this right now, too, because I think it's the power of what boxology is. After listening to you guys talk, like, Jake, you said you came in, you saw that, and, you know, when someone does a squat, you're like, whoa, 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 that should be a duck, right? But it's, it's, it's what you're practicing, right? So something that Michael said is he's like, you know, practice makes perfect. That's what a lot of people think. And he said that's wrong. Practice makes permanence because whatever you practice on a daily basis becomes permanent. So if you're constantly practicing crappy technique, guess what you're permanently going to have? Crappy Shitty technique. work, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but seriously, but th this is the point is if you have a group of trainers in a, in a club and somebody's practicing boxology, they're thinking with the mindset, we're, you know, motivating and dominating and we're running around and just driving members. All the other trainers are watching that, and they're learning from that trainer. So they'll start practicing those same things, and the next thing you know, you have a permanent fixture in your club of a boxology mindset workout. But if you aren't, and let's say you have one trainer that's not following the process, and then everybody else is learning and watching him, and they're like, you know what? He, he can do that. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to try to do this. And the next thing you know, you're just practicing bad habits, and now you've permanently got a problem at the club. And I think it's important that this conversation we're having of what is boxology, everybody out there listening right now, all of you trainers, we have to practice the true technique of boxing and put that in a workout. And we have to practice it daily so it becomes a permanent fixture in our brand. And if we all do that together, there ain't nobody who can touch this model. There ain't nobody who can touch it, right? Because so repeat then that. Practice makes permanent experience. So practice yeah. makes permanence. Is that what you're saying? Correct. That's what I'm saying. Man. I love that. I remember, remind me to hug Michael next time I see him. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did see him last week. I'm not sure if I hugged him, but, but now I, mean, I wish I did. It's so important because if you're doing that, you're going to have a great experience. And that, that's well, the point. Look, what, yeah, go ahead. James, yeah. what happens when you have the other one, because everybody has seen a side of this out there, hopefully. And, you know, for the trainers that are listening, you know, this is very important, right? This, this workout is more than a business on the side of the road. It's the ability to take a passion 
like boxing, make some money off of it, affect other human lives in a super positive manner. It, you know, it's, it's other people's hard earned money over their lives invested into this business. They're trying to create a return. And, you know, there's a lot of things on the line during that hour you have the microphone on. Okay. And it's, so it's not just you and it certainly shouldn't be about you. Um, but I think it's important to talk about that because before the first really inception of boxology, we saw a lot of these things. We saw the age of cell phones, the age of social media, the age of getting better and gimme, gimme, gimme every two seconds, right? We used to talk about, you know, those are years like we were getting used to Amazon.com and we weren't, we were getting used to purchasing on eBay. We were getting used to being super fast and aggressive learners. And we as people were just relying more and more on being able to get whatever I want now. And no matter how fast that we could have developed product or gave a thousand combos or created all these things, trainers were developing faster than us. And if you had a trainer or a club, you know, and everybody, I'm not saying trainers, everybody has some idea about how I can make this better in my way. They were going astray, right? So, so my question, what happens when they start to go astray? And you kind of already answered it, which is like, now you have a permanent problem that's really hard to fix. So what happens when trainers really start going astray? I mean, you know, that's a difficult question to answer. I mean, it really is because if you're, if you're asking me and you know, let, let me, let, let's look at it this way, right? Why does that happen? I guess. Well, I, all right. So it happens, I think, because we have some really amazing trainers and I think everybody loves it so much right away. And, you know, Tate had alluded to it, like to punch for the first time is a super exciting experience to look at the bag stand the first time to walk in a boxing club for the first time to put gloves on for the first time to, to, you know, hear that bell ring for the first time. That's an experience. I think it becomes addicting. It becomes addicting to, to, execute the experience to make people smile, to make people love you and laugh and have fun and work out. And, and they tag you on Facebook and look at the weight I'm losing. It's all because of you. And it's very addictive. Right. And I think that, that addiction almost turns trainers into saying, you know, how can I do it again? Whether it's for, you know, ego consumption or to, to be the best for members, to continue to help them grow. I think what happens is they start to go down their own path. And then you start to then custom tailor, and this is a very important part to boxology, okay? You're starting to custom tailor your club to one specific type of member. And we saw this a lot of times where clubs would start to go down these paths. And, you know, I mean, think about even by today's standards, we need a strength workout. We need, uh, you know, more bags for MMA. We need this, we need that your trainers and you guys as trainers out there are so good at creating the need and necessity for whatever you think is right. You start to uh, attract a certain member where our workouts for everybody, but the more and more we used to do burpees, for instance, the more and more people who would show up that were hardcore workout fanatics and they just loved being on the brink of puking every single class. And, and we would walk into clubs back then and see a thousand burpees of warm up. We would see crazy exercises inside the rounds. We would see, you know, 
some things that were even dangerous, but the members there loved it, right? And that club, even though it was going down a path at the beginning, was still being successful. This was the problem. It was being successful in the wrong way. To, so to kind of rotate it back, it didn't really matter what the trainer did. It mattered that the trainer was great. So Boxology was there to wrap it all back in and say, listen, great trainer, be great. Just be great in this way. Because we're, we're going away from what we know. By the way, we're a franchise. You know, we've done the hard stuff. We've uh, lost all the money for you guys, you know, hypothetically prior to you opening the club, the, the owners out there. You're supposed to be able to follow the playbook and be successful. And I, and I, everybody on this phone call, you know, and even James was an owner back in the day, we do what title is and we're successful because of it. Okay. There's no hidden workouts on the schedule. There's no, you know, crazy technology that floods free money. It's, it's, we're doing what it takes boxology wise and the club is successful in that manner. So, okay. Um, I think that's important. Yeah. And I, I think, think here, here's the other thing, right? And I think this goes back to, I love this conversation right now because you can do plyometric exercises at your house. You can do it in the grass. You can do it in a gym. You can do core anywhere. But those heavy bags, not very many people just have a heavy bag at their house or one hanging in a park, right? So focus on boxing, right? And there's, and I think yep. that was the one thing that Dan Campbell always just, man, I, he was so funny sometimes. But he's always like, hey, what's our name? I said, Title Boxing Club. He goes, yeah, take out Title and Club. What is it? I said, Boxing. He goes, yeah, don't, go and box. I don't want to see this crap with this over here, this over here. Go jab, cross, hook, uppercut. And it's funny because that that's our competitive advantage. The heavy bag. Dude, 100%. You know, focus on the heavy bag. Did you know Danny Campbell and I one time had a conversation about the potential of removing hooks from the workout? Think, think about that. Danny and I sat down and we were talking, just blabbing about the product. And he looked at me after I said something about teaching and educating as, you know what? You're right. We might not, we probably shouldn't have hooks in the workout because they're too hard to teach people how to do right. And we should leave that for personal training. Like think about the dissection of the workout. Like how many people out there throw a jab cross hook every single day? He was at one point, the consideration of removing a hook from the workout the just because people couldn't do it right. I know boxers and boxers the hardest punch. <laughs> yeah. Dude, and that's, I guess that rolls back to it, right? My members can kick your members' ass. Because my <laughs> members can throw a hook. Because my trainers spent long times not throwing, okay, hook burnout, hook burnout, jab cross hook, jab cross hook, hook burnout. They don't do that anymore. That was old school. That was just getting people, you know, through the door. Now you got to keep them. That's way harder. The content is the is the is the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think the what what uh, the one question that was brought up a few minutes ago was, um, you know, how do we lose how do we lose sight of that? And I think I think there's several things that happen in a club that I see is is you know there's several things. One would be you know it takes a lot of energy from a trainer to run these workouts. You know, it, it takes a lot of effort to motivate 50 people in a room, or even harder effort to motivate two people if only you know a couple people show up. So um, you know, I think, I think once sometimes that happens where, you know, over a couple of years of a trainer, it, it, they get tired, they get worn down. And what they do is they try to change things to try to get those class sizes back up. So then what they'll do is they'll, 
extend combos into longer, more confusing combos if they're fighters, or they all start throwing in more of the fitness stuff that they fall back on because that's their knowledge and lose sight of the boxology uh, foundation of the skilled portion of their class and getting back to the, um, you know, the, the, the member experience in, in, in the why of what we're doing, which is I, I find the clubs that do the best perform the best generally have a little bit of a why behind it. So in, in that we're teaching a skill, there's lots of personal training. Our members know how to hit the bags the right way. Um, they, they have goals in their mind, whether it's a, a boxing goal, whether it's a fitness goal, but there's something deeper that's driving them. And I think when it becomes just a workout, um, you know, that's, that's where things start to go awry. When it just becomes random combinations, random exercises to call it off the top of the head. And that's where things start to go a little haywire for, for, for the, for the members, uh, the, the experience behind it. I think the biggest issue here that I find is that when we, when we say go do boxing, I think the tough part is right now is that a lot of trainers, you know, we have what 1200 trainers around the country, um, maybe don't have the skill set or the training like myself getting into this. So I think, you know, getting into title at 24 years old, I had no clue how to box. I was a baseball player. I know Tate was a football player and, and our skills were, were more on the athlete athletic side. So I think that's something that, you know, I think on the PAC that we're working on is trying to create some content to help build. Um, so trainers know how to tap into more skill and then owners don't have to find as many uh, fighters necessarily that already have that. So that way, like Tate said, a lot of his trainers are maybe not aren't fighters yet. So how to keep, how to bring talent in like that, or maybe members bring them into your trainers and, and turn them into trainers. How can we turn in a, an excellent crop of trainers uh, for the, for these clubs um, without having to have years of boxing experience under their belt? And I think that's something that we're, we're kind of pulling back into the boxology and, and some more of the content that's coming to help bridge that gap. So and let me, it, let me pick it back up on that, Sam, real quick. And, and that goes back to something we even talked about a little bit last week. And James, you mentioned this and, and it's, it's so true. It's you, you can teach skill, but you can't teach passion. And, and I think that's, what's so important. If I were to, and I've visited a lot of clubs I've, and we have uh, eight clubs here in, in, in my market and you can tell which trainers have passion and you can tell which trainers don't. And it starts with passion. It starts with energy. It starts with commitment to the members and it starts with that care. Now, if you still have that, all that passion, are you willing to learn? Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to take other trainers classes? Because it doesn't matter if you, if you didn't have that fighting background, if you're willing to learn, you can, you can learn something from every trainer in the country. Um, you can learn some great things and you can learn some, some, some not so great things, but you can learn something from every, everybody if you're watching and listening, but it starts with that passion. Uh, yep. So, and, and to go to one more point from where title has started from to where it is now, we started, we're, we're, you know, running around the bay rack that you guys are talking about, um, all of those things. We didn't, that was never a part of our club, but that, that was exclusive compared to inclusive. We say all ages, all fitness levels, all shapes and sizes. If we want to have packed classes and create that experience, how can you teach to that person that hasn't worked out in 20 years and still that marathon runner that can, you can absolutely crush. How can both of those people in your class get the best possible experience, the best possible workout, learn that skill and leave feeling amazing. Now that's a sign of a good trainer. All right. So this is great. So I'm, I, I, 
we're we're going to be wrapping up here in, in a second, but I I, I want to ask everybody out there right now, everybody listening, you're a trainer. I want you to think about this for a second, right? In any sport that you have, in professional sports, they game plan what they're going to do against the opponent, right? So all everybody on the call right now, that's a boxer, an MMA fighter, a kickboxer, have ever played sports. Would you go into a game without a game plan? Would you go out there and wing it? Coming as a boxer, I mean, my coach has a game plan. This guy is a brawler. I got to run from him a little bit. I got to keep him at the end of my jab, right? There's a game plan around what I'm supposed to be doing. Boxology is how you create your game plan, right? I like that. So, so James, what type, what type of fighter are you? Oh, I'm, a, I've, I'm, I'm a speed fighter. I ain't getting in there and throwing punches. <laughs> Take a move speed? No, I'm speed. I'm going to get back. <laughs> bing, bo, bing, bo, bing. <laughs> I'm going to touch you up. And Detroit running around the ring. Yeah. Come on, come <laughs> I'll catch you. I'm gonna, you're going to make a mistake. Um, but here, this is what I want you guys to do. I'm going to give you guys all out there homework right now. All right? Everybody out there that's listening to this, here's what I want you to do. In boxology, there's something called say it, show it, throw it, which seems simple enough. You say what the combo is, you show what it is, and then go out and set the damn bar, right? Here's what I want you to do. Think about this. Have you been doing that? And I'm, I'm going to challenge you on something here. I bet if you go to your next class and you say it, show it, and then every single combo, you sit there for 10 seconds and absolutely crush it as hard and as fast as you can. I bet you at the end of that class, you're going to have members coming up to you and saying, what the hell got into you today? Jesus. I bet you that happens. And all you did was execute on one of the ideas of boxology. And it's going to change your workout. It's going to change your members' success rate. Just something that small. So I want to thank you guys today. James. This has been a great – yeah. Hold on. I like your yep. challenge. <laughs> I want to challenge. I want to challenge him too. Okay. Okay. And Sam. Sam said a very important word, uh, and the word is why. And for everybody out there, if you can turn around and ask yourself or your fellow trainer, or if you're a manager and you need to kind of figure out what's going on inside the bag stand, if you ask the question, "Why did you do that?" or if you see the workout early, "Why are you going to do that?" There should be a pretty concise solid answer as to why the combo why the exercise why the thing so my challenge is the next time you teach a class figure out what you're going to do and then explain to yourself why you're doing it and then add the say show throat know why you're doing it know why everything's happening in your club know why and that's going to make you such a better trainer. And since we're having challenges, I have one as well. We'll go around yeah. the room here. So <laughs> I, I think, I think, you know, I don't want anybody to get confused out there with, you know, on, on boxology slide, there's, there's a, there's a bullet point that says more motivation, less explanation. So yes, we're tapping into a skill, but we are motivating the hell out of everybody to get the best results they can. So, I, I don't want anybody to think that we're saying let's let's overteach and let's not put the best workout together. 
out there because I know that gets lost on some trainers sometimes. And, and so, so my challenge is, is really just to, to more motivation, less explanation and push them as hard as you can on the mic so that you're confident when you leave the room or the bag stand that no orange theory, no spin studio, no local competitor gives a better workout than what you give. So, um, you know, when you get to those last 30 second burnouts of each round, I mean, I'm damn near passing out from how hard I'm pushing my crowd. I, you know, you got to still drive the crowd and, and the members as hard as you can push them so that they can say, there's nobody out there that gives a more intense, more exciting workout than, you know, than me. Right. So that, that's my challenge. Okay. Then I got to wrap it up. And mine is super easy. <laughs> my, my challenge, my challenge is that you go take another trainer's class and support yeah. your co-trainer. Man, that is such a powerful thing. Members see how hard you're willing to work in class, they're going to push harder. You can't go into class and half-ass it, though. You've got to go into class and bring it and show them what's possible. Don't go take a trainer's class and just patty cake the bag. Go take the trainer's class and give your best. And then afterwards, tell them what they did great. Build your trainers up. It doesn't matter if you're a head trainer, co-trainer, you know, beginning trainer. Go take another trainer's class. Learn something and build them up about it. Tell them what you loved about class. I love it. James, your challenge in one sentence. Set the bar. Set the bar, say it, show it, throw it. Yeah, set the bar, man. My challenge, answer the question, why are you doing what you're doing on every section of the class you create for the next class? Sam? Yep, my challenge is motivate the hell out of them. More motivation, less explanation. Push them on the mic as hard as you can. Okay. Take your other, take your fellow trainers class, go support them, go battle some members on that bag in that class, have some fun with it. Remember why we're doing this. Uh, I like it. I, I, I like really, I really like this podcast today. And I think it's important for you guys to know that this isn't the end. You don't just learn about fellow junior over. And we know that we know that from our side too. And I think, you know, we've done a lot of talking back and forth with the, the powers that be and, you're going to see a future of this product very, very soon. It's in development, but it may not be what you think. It may be more challenge than it is product. It may be more product than it is challenge. Just know that the future is there and that daily, this is still the best product that's out there if you execute it properly. And that's what we're looking for. Yep. Dan, so, any last thoughts? Yeah. In, my, uh, in the words of my fa uh, favorite Twitch streamer, Dakotas, imagine. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine if, if all of you, what everybody's challenge just was? Imagine. Just imagine what happens. Imagine. So, here, imagine. you know, I, I want to wrap this up here. I think this is a great podcast today. And I think what is boxology? I think that, that came across. It's a mindset. It's a philosophy. It's ever-changing. It is boxing. It's the question, should you do this? And how do I get better? Focus on the boxing aspect of our workout and the experience provided by it. Um, and next week, guys, we're going we're gonna to talk more about boxology. And we're going to start getting into some more specifics. And we're going to start talking about the warm-up. And, you know, what are some of the things you can do in there what, when it's done properly? Burpees, what burpees, you burpees, burpees. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> so we're going <laughs> to... We're going to talk about these things. So, uh, again, hey, appreciate everybody tuning in today. Tate, Sam, Kenny, as always, thank you guys. Uh, a lot of knowledge and good stuff came out of this. And, uh, you know, go, guys, go out there, get in the club, uh, go work it, and set the bar. And we'll talk next week.
Later, later. See ya.